Welcome to Lakuta Sichas Parsha Shir this week, Parsha's Pisavai, and we are learning Sicha number two. You know, the Parsha's Pisavai is full of the Tochacha, of rebuke to the Jewish people. And on the surface, um, a number of terrible things that will happen to the Jewish people if they don't keep the things that Hashem has um, asked them to do, basically. So we have a bris, we have a covenant between the Jewish people and the Kodesh Baruch Hu. And we're told throughout the Torah of the wonderful things that will happen when we keep the mitzvahs. And in Parshas Kisavai, a lot about what will happen um, if, God forbid, we don't. So on the surface, it seems to be a very um, powerfully negative Parsha. However, we do know there's a very famous story of the Alter Rebbe, whose birthday is coming up this Wednesday night. Hi, Elul. Um, that that uh, when he used to read this parsha, Parshas Kisavai, and his son, the Mittler Rebbe, you still hear it. And um, it was, you know, he read it and that was it. But one year, the Alter Rebbe, Ladi, was not in town, and somebody else read the parsha. And when this other person was reading the parsha, the Mittler Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe's son, kept fainting. And, he, and every time they would start again, he would faint and they kept trying to revive him. And finally they said to him after Kriya Torah, we don't understand. You hear your father reading this parsha every single year. Why is it you never fainted? You never were so affected by this reading of Parsha Sabbat. Why this year are you so affected this time? And the Mitzler Rebbe answered that when my father read the parsha, when my father reads Parsha Sabbat, I don't hear any curses at all. I only hear the blessing. So within these messages, um, what seems to be very terrible things that will happen, what seems to be curses, there are actually, in a very hidden way, there are actually blessings. The sikha we're going to learn tonight is going to focus on showing us exactly how this happens. So we begin um, at the very beginning. And of course, the Parsha Savai often will occur around high Elo time. Um, as it was in the year that this particular sikha was said. Let's just jump straight in and we'll see how it all comes together. Shangaret Filmo, we've said many times, and we've said this many times that Rashi, when we have the commentary of Rashi on a pasuk, he generally comes to tell us the literal straightforward meaning of the pasuk, what, what it practically means. Um, on top of it, however, even though we say it's mainly about the Shemikra, we know that it also has within it um, which means there's some, the inner aspects of Tyra are also there hidden within the Parsha. The inner aspects, the secrets of the Tyra. Like we know the famous quote of the Alter Rebbe, was Diva from Parsha's Kumi Ari. So Kumi Ari awake, my light, is the Haftira of Parsha Sabai. And it's Chai Elo, is on Yamuledas. And Chai Elo is, of course, the birthday of the Alter Rebbe. And in the week where we read the Haftira of Kumi Ari, may the light rise up. And we know we are doing the Vart from Balsham that the Balsham said about the Alter Rebbe. When Benogea, who led us from Alter Rebbe, the Yamanal, but the Yom Lad is Bechai Elo. And we know that the Baal Shem Tov, what the Baal Shem Tov said when they saw on this day of Chai Elo, the Baal Shem Tov was very, very joyous. And the Hasidim 
he's going to sit and ask, like, what had happened? And he said, you should know that a brand new neshama had come down to the world on this particular day on, on Chai Elul. And in fact, the Alter Rebbe was called Shnei Or Zalman, Shnei Or, two tremendous lights. So that connected to the Torah of Kumi Ari, awaken our light. Is this two new lights that the Alter Rebbe gave us? The light of Nigla, the revealed part of Tyra in the Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch Chazab, the Alter Rebbe's Shulchan Aruch, and also in in Tzara in the Tanya. So we know that we're talking about, therefore, the idea of Pinyas Tzara, what the Alter Rebbe gave us, and the fact that in Rashi we also see this inner aspect of Tyra. So the idea that Rashi, within Rashi, we can find these hidden, these hidden aspects of Tyra called the Yenashal Tyra. We find that also in the explanation here on Rashi on the words, on this words of rebuke. This aspect is even more. Um, relevant to Rashi's explanation, specifically when we're talking about the rebuke, like the beer from Alpha Rebbe and Likute Tara, as the Alter Rebbe himself explained, explained himself explained in Likute Tara about these words of the Chacha that we find. So even though, again, like we mentioned at the very beginning, when you just read the words of the Parsha, so on a revealed state, openly, it seems to be the very opposite of blessing. But the truth is, these are only brachas. Tara always has what is hidden and what is revealed. And so what's the hidden, the hidden aspect, the soul of these curses is really the concept of the tremendously the highest brachas possible. As the Gemara says about these sukim in our parsha, he says these are really all completely brachas. And as we I mentioned in the opening story of the Alter Rebbe and his son, the Mittler Rebbe. So when the Alter Rebbe read the Torah, the Mittler Rebbe heard the brachas that were hidden within all of these things. So this idea that there is this hidden aspect that Rashi is actually hinting to within his commentary is very specific, especially here, and the Rashi's on these on this tefacha. Their pshat from Rashi So we can read the Rashi again according to pshat, according to the straightforward meaning of the Rashi, and we will see how Rashi is bringing out how how terrible these things will be based on what seems to be the not good in the Pasuk. Overlook Yonashal Tara from Parish Rashi. However, if we look at the inner aspects and we uh, interpret the Rashi based on Hasidus of Pinyas Tara, Kum Dizelbeverta from Rashi, and Ruizbeng the Pinyas of Maisinsan had Gashat in the Brachas Nilas for so those very, very same words that we can read on a very on a surface level as being really terrible, we can also read according to Hasidus and see the emphasis, the tremendous emphasis on the brachas that are there. So where are we going to see this? We're going to look particularly at the last, the pasuk at the end of the Teichacha. So let's just have a look at that pasuk first. 
So this pasuk here, Perachav Ches, pasuk Samaches, where it says that toward the end of the Tachafa, the final pasuk, Hashem Hashem will send you back to Mitzrayim in Aniyos, right in ships. But Derech Asher Ma'ajilcha on the one by the root on which I had said to you, you are no longer going to see this root. You are going to sell yourselves there to your enemy, to slaves and to maidservants, the and no one will buy you. What does Rashi say when it comes to this puzzle? So, two things. First of all, we see on the idea that Hashem is going to bring you back, take, send you back there, Rashi doesn't say anything. But on the words, Ba'aniyos, Rashi just says, Ba'aniyos, the Sphinos, right? It gives us seemingly just a translation of the word, Aniyos, and says Sphinos in ships. And what does that really mean in ships? In other words, Bashivya. You're going to go back into captivity. You're going to go back into captivity um, in this way. So you're going to go back to Egypt in captivity. You'll sell yourselves there. What does that mean? You'll sell because his makartim is his That's reflexive verb. What you do to yourself. So that what? You will want to be sold. You will look to be sold. You'll try to sell yourself. To them, You'll try to sell yourself to them as slaves and servants. But what? No one will buy you. There'll be no one to buy. Why? Rashi says, because they will decree upon you death and extermination. So you want to get out of this captivity by selling yourselves to be slaves and maidservants, but there will be no one to buy you. So again, on the Pshat, this is a very terrible rebuke, a warning for the Jewish people. Well, let's go back to see how we can look at this in another way. So seat base. By Msimat Khacha at the very end of the Rutakha, Zaita Pasad, by Shiv Hashem Mitraim, but Anyas, the Dear Hashem Martha, by Saisif Idler Isis by Kakum Sham Lai Vekla Vadim Shakas the Ain Kaina. We just read. Shem will return you to Mitraim on these ships in the way that Hashem had said originally, you will no longer go back to see the way to Mitraim. You sell yourselves there to your enemies as slaves and maidservants, and no one will buy. But Pashas is Mulan. So again, the straightforward meaning of the Pesukim is very easy to understand. As we bow the Pesuk state by sight, the seam from the Tachafa, since this Pesuk is the very end, it's the culmination of the entire Tachafa. So it would seem then, you know, usually everything goes after the end. The end is the, like the culmination of the whole thing. So you would expect this final Pesuk to be the greatest opposite of good at possible. Is the movement we don't understand. from them was So that's the case. What is this great, tremendous punishment that the Jews are going to end up going back to Mitzrayim? And that nobody will want to buy them as maids and um, as, as slaves and maid servants. Why is that the worst possible thing that could happen? Is does Rashi Mabayar? So we see Rashi explains Ba'aniyas that when it, the pasuk says Ba'aniyas, what does that mean? Main besfinais beshivya. That means in the ships in captivity. Does says but that kumni mitzrayim al shvuim. And we're going to arrive in mitzrayim as captives. Un'ayf 
the word no one will buy you that this will have this um decree of death and extermination so we understand that thing's pretty serious right so when we learn this at first glance it comes out what as in them speaker it seems that there are two key elements of punishment mentioned in this pasuk Aleph, the first one, in Belkum Kamitraim Bashivya, that we're going to go back to Mitraim as captives. And number two, Bayes, Yitzro Lecha Herig Bechilayim. Now, their death and extermination will be decreed upon the Jewish people. When the Ibrutika Verte in Pasuk, and therefore it would seem that the rest of the words in the Pasuk, where it says, Ba'anios Bedecha Sher Maklacha Loisai Sif Oyla Raisa, is Makatam Sham Laibecha Labadim Lashvachais, right? The fact that we're in ships. The fact that we're going back on the route that Hashem said we would never see again. The fact that we're trying to sell ourselves to the ends for servants. It would seem that these are only um, details in the um, in these two mentioned in detail in now in these two things. Sorry, in these two concepts. Two areas of punishment as we mentioned before. Like in other Zagar, however, we could say, as Rashi, that Rashi, through his, uh, specifically, the very specific words he uses, we're gonna see that if we look at this Pasuk really carefully, Rashi is not just saying that there are these two main things, that we're going to go back as captives and that there'll be death. Rather, Rashi is trying to tell us that every word in the Pasuk is something, is adding something specific to this terrible thing that could happen to the Jews in the future. And so too, when we're going to look at this from the Hasidic point of view, the Yeder Vart in Inyan put Moses Zayn in Gadol HaIloi V'Habrachot of Bet Zayn Ba'Ibn. So we're going to see how each detail in the Rashi adds to the understanding of the terrible things that will happen, as well as the fact that when we look at it through Hasidus, each detail in the Pasuk is going to add to the tremendous bracha that's going to come to the Jewish people. Let's see how that works out. Sid Gimel. The Bendas Pashtein, the Hektam Levayev, as the Pasuk is Matkish, Vashiv Chavadera, Hashem Marklachal, Light says he's Oyderizma. We have to understand, first of all, by understanding why does the Pasuk emphasize that we're going to go back to Mitzrayim, we're going to go back on that route that Hashem had originally told us when we left Mitzrayim, that we will never come back to this place. What difference does it make to this rebuke to the Jewish people to tell them that it will come a time that you're going to go back to that place that I told you you'd never go back to? And we don't find that Rashi even addresses it. So if Rashi doesn't address it, it seems like it shouldn't be a problem. But for there are commentaries, there are Barbanel, for example, who do say, as the meat is the Pasuk master for us there, Shifcha is Dafka Ba'anis. So the Barbanel, amongst others, says, well, the reason is, the reason this Pasuk tells us that we're going to come back there is because Hashem is going to take us back there in ships. Since Hashem had told us when we left the shrine that we are no longer going to go back to that route, we're never on, on, and that route was over dry land, and we're not going to go on that route again. 
right? You will never go back on this particular route again. Hashem said, you'll never come this way, so he couldn't lead them again through the Yabasha. That's why the Pasuk stresses, Hashem will take us back to Mitzrayim in ships. Okay, so that's a proposed answer from the Barbara now. She's over However, the Rebbe says, it's very difficult to say that we can, that, that's the explanation that we can use if we're going according to the straightforward meaning of the Pasuk. There Parish Rashi al which of course is the way the Rashi likes to learn Sukkim. Well, because the mind of Gemini in the Techacha, Supervarnen, and the Veshit Hashem Mitzrayim, is the Pestira to Lysasif and Ivory Raisa. Because again, it comes back down to the question if these Sukkim are supposed to be a rebuke, a warning to the Jewish people, what difference does it make in terms of this rebuke or this warning to say, that when Hashem is going to take you back to Mitzrayim, that's not going to contradict what Hashem said to you, that you're not going to go back and see it. And really, according to Pshat, it seems we would, the Pasuk shouldn't even have written that you're going to go back on this path that I said to you once, that you're not going to go, you're not going to see again. Because again, what, what's the relevance of that to this rebuke? With this warning of Amela, and also it seems like, why do we need to know that we're going to end up going back to the shrine in ships? What difference does that make? Sivdala, another proposed answer then. So we could say, well, the Medrash gives a proposed answer here. As their possibility, they meet Matmish sign to Vastia Verzan O to the Fim. But the Pasuk is trying to stress how. Um, what a various cause effects. Hashem had said to us after we left the tribe, you will never go back this way, you'll never see this path again. That what that what can sins cause? They can even cause Hashem to nullify his promises. That's what the mentor says, trying to show us how terrible it is that if we sin, Hashem can go back on his promises. But this answer, according to the Medrash, is also not so easy to reconcile with the pshat, the literal meaning of the pasuk. Because for us to know this, that a sin, especially great sins, can that can nullify the promises of Hashem. We don't have to hear tremendous curses, especially not the end, we already know from Yaakov Avinu that sins can diminish promises from Hashem. Where do we see that? We know that when Yaakov was coming back, rather when he was going, a number of times, right? When Yaakov said, when he was afraid of what would happen with Yosef and he was leaving and he was, and when he was um, running away from Esau and going to the house of Laban. And when he said the idea of katantin kalachasadin, that that he, he felt small, why he felt that he might not be worthy of Hashem's miracles, because maybe his sins, maybe something that he did, minimized his merits. 
So this concept is something we learned already in Pumash Braces from Yaakov Avinu, from the way Yaakov Avinu acted. He didn't take anything for granted. He davened to Hashem, he was afraid. Even later when he came back with Esau, Hashem had to assure him that he would be with him, not to be afraid, right? Altira Abdi Yaakov, because that's what he felt, that humility of maybe I haven't done something right and maybe I've used up my merit. So we know that already. We don't need to have a curse here in the Tehacha to let us know how serious our merits can be, that they can undo promises of Kaddish Baruch and even more, and even more, what is it relevant here? And as Dafka mentioned here, our return to Mitzrayim. So we're kind of rejecting that proposed answer as well. And again, simply, it really there's no place based on the Pshat to learn as Hatsis Gben Atsibo Hashem to gain Mitzrayim. And even though we had a command, right? We were commanded by Hashem never to go back to Mitzrayim. So then to say that because we sinned, that this caused Hashem not to consider his own command to tell us not to go back there and then brings us back there and thereby makes us transgress that very command that he gave us never to go back. Because what's the place, when we're talking about rebuke, warning the Jewish people about not sinning, what place is there in that context to tell the Jewish people that your sins will cause you to transgress another sin against your will. Doesn't seem to make sense. So to understand really what is Rashi telling us, what is he trying to emphasize or why of why the Torah is stressing this idea that we're going to go in ships. And what does Rashi say on the word aniyot? Because aniyot is the word in the Torah, but it says the sphinite b'shivya. They're uptight. It seems the Rashi is just translating the word. As Eden Bell gave him a triumph of Shivya, they're going in captivity. Ishayak meets some bark onios, nor some bark hashifa. So, first of all, Rashi says, on the words of onios, he gives us two words. He says, Besvinais, which seems to be just a translation, and then Bashivya in captivity. Now, the word Bashivya in captivity seems to be more related to the word the hashifa, that Shem will take us back. Notice the etymological similarity between the two words in Hebrew, the shivya and the hashifcha. So as the Hashem will take us back to Mitzrayim, but as captives. Although Rashi Kadarkas before assigned by Hashifcha, Hashem, um, Rashi should have written that explanation under a different title, right? We know that Rashi's title words are very important. They tell us what he's, where he got his explanation from. So if he wants to say, if Shivya, this idea of captivity is related to the word Veshivcha, then that should have been the title of Rashi. Unit, in the Dibor where state typed up the word Ba'aniyos, it shouldn't have been under the title, the heading of Rashi on the words Ba'aniyos, which is the boats, the ships. The Bali Taisvah is learning so the Bali Taisvahs come and they learn what? As the Aniyos is moistis in the Shivya. The idea that they were on the boats is actually adding to their captivity. That what? Sheim hayum malichin aizam beregel, loy hayu shavim rak hagdolim hayichal malechas beregel. Balitaiskas wanted to offer an opinion and answer to this and say the reason he talked about being in the boats that we were captives in a boat is to tell us that 
um, how great the captivity was because had we gone on foot, they would have only taken the men who could walk. But the fact that we went in the boats means that even the women and the children were also taken captive. So again, a proposed answer to our problem. However, the very fact though, the Rebbe continues, that Rashi does not say anything more than Bashivya in captivity, needs to give the kind beer without giving any other explanation, is farshtanik, so then we understand, as like Rashi, is there uftu nit dem vos di shivya bet arum nemen alamen, The fact that Rashi doesn't say anything, he just says into captivity, means that he's not trying to stress that it's everybody, nor in the etim inyan was there kumen darn for anyos bedzain di shivya. Just trying to tell us that going there, we're going to go into captivity. So how do we explain that? What is he trying to emphasize? See, above the beer said, explanation is Rashi is mafarish. He's trying to explain as the ala prati v'shteni pasuk that every detail that is in this pasuk zayin nitzam pratim from ein kolostikat echata as a veti in umkern kamitzrayim is not just a general rebuke or warning that we're going to go back to Mitzrayim. But every detail, every word in the pasuk is adding an additional warning. Okay, and it's additional part of this terchacha. Therefore, Rashi learns as does what the pasuk is marich You're going to go in these ships in the way I said I would never take you back. He's just an itin This is adding to the curse here. In Stugat, the Tachacha was in an etzel umkernsein in Zechmitzrayim, that euch der Weg ahin zu sein in an eifen Galubiyaiser. So, in addition to the very fact that we are going to go back to Mitzrayim, it's also the way we're going to go back to Mitzrayim is going to be in the worst way possible. In two ways, it's going to be the worst way possible. Number one, Ba'anyos, the Shivya. In addition to the fact they were going to be captive in Egypt, our way to Mitzrayim is also going to be terrible. It's going to be as captive in ships. Of course, that is connected with a tremendous amount of pain and suffering. Much greater pain than going across dry land. But on because when you're in a ship, is the net in starker under the modest of them was up to find them. Because we know that when you travel in the ship, then you feel much, you feel the bitterness of your captivity even greater. And of course, anyone who lives in Australia and knows anything about Australian history and reads anything about the, the way uh, people came here originally or in fact, think just throughout Jewish history, we think about the way uh, Jews had to travel the world and whenever they were taken captive, and even when they were trying to get across from Europe to America and were often were put in steerage, right? But at least they weren't prisoners, but they even felt that way. When you sit at the bottom and you're a captive and you're sitting in the bottom and you're treated so terribly, you're at the mercy of your captors because you're on a ship. There's nothing more you can do. And they stick you where there's no light and no food and there's nothing you can do. So the fact is not only that we're going back to Mitzrayim, but that we're going to be back in captivity on a ship. 
Und damit es euch mögen, von was Rashi, will nicht lernen wie die Balletteisweis. Now we understand why Rashi does not want to learn like the Balletteisweis. Weil neusig auf dem, was ist Pashas, kann euch mit Nashim gehen zu Fuß, auch gepannt im Alufelat. Because first of all, who says that women and children can't walk? Sure, they could. They can walk. They might just walk more slowly, but they can certainly walk. But more than that, BCs give them by Yitzis Mitzrayim. When we saw we, the women and children left Mitzrayim, they left on foot. So we certainly know they could walk. But it's also, why does Rashi reject the Bali Taisvites? Not only for that reason, but also like their parish, according to the Taisvites, it comes out, because the Bali is basically on saying that on the idea that the reason Rashi says the ships, or the positive says ships, it's emphasizing that they're, not, that they're going to go back that everyone's going to go um, because they're going to be gone on the ship so everyone can go. That means that it's not really about the ship itself. According to the Bali Tais place, the ships is just an added idea, really, like a by the way of how they're going to get to the shrine. As thus is Kyle Alman, that includes everyone. Because according to that, it was really only about putting them in ships so that everyone could go. The Pasuk could have said that pretty explicitly by just saying Hashem will bring all of you back there or something similar but not telling to us as a new thing that Hashem is going to take us in a boat okay and therefore Rashi says it's telling us that the boat itself going in a ship in this way is makes it even worse and the second thing they're going to go back to Mitzrayim in the way that they already had gone before. We know what was the way they went before. They went through the terrible great Midbar that was a great and awesome Midbar of snakes and scorpions and poisonous scorpions and thirst. There was no water. Move on, but that we know that without the miracles and kindness of Akkadish Baruch Hu in the first time we went through the Midbar, and that's why, you know, it was a terrible and awesome place. It was just for Hashem's miracles that we survived. And that's why Hashem promised you'll never have to go back in this place again. He's moving the God in their Halucha and Dorch Dem Derech. So then again, we understand the great. Warning here in this going back to that path, that path that is full of suffering. And again, Rashi Rashi doesn't have to explicitly explain that. Just like Rashi doesn't have to explicitly tell us what's so terrible about going back to Mitzrayim. But Rashi had Eshmer Farish because Rashi already had just told us a little bit earlier on in the Sukkim, as Amy Yarn. But earlier on, when it talks about the fact that Hashem, that the, the sicknesses of the will come upon us, Rashi says the idea that you don't scare a person, you, you instill fear in a person in something that he is naturally afraid of. So just like the literally going to Mitzrayim, the Jews were afraid of that because they had experienced it, they knew what it was like. So to go, the path going to Mitzrayim was something that they also knew and therefore could, could fear because they were quite aware of what that path was like. So according to this, we now understand the continuation of Rashi. In the 
So we're now again going through the pshat of the pasuk and seeing how Rashi in the pshat is seeing all the terrible things that could possibly happen. So it's about Hashem taking us back to this terrible place from the trying. And then we're going to go back. The way we're going to go back is going to be in a terrible way. It'll be as, ca as captives and ships. And continuing on that line, he's you will beg, you will want to be sold as slaves and maidservants. We're saying it doesn't say that other people are going to sell you. You will want to sell yourselves. As Rashi then later explains. And again, we can wonder. Thus is Dr. Steer to them as they very good fear to come and sign the Shivya. We just said that they're going to go take down to Mitzrayim as captives. So what does this mean that they're going to try to sell themselves? Weren't they already captives? If you're captives, you don't have the opportunity to sell yourself. It's just that other people will sell, can sell you, right? If you're captives, you're taken as a slave and they sell you, which is, of course, what happened in Jewish history after the destruction of the base of Mikdash. The Jews were taken into exile, put on ships, taken to Europe, and they were sold as slaves. Okay? So... We get that if you're taken as a captive, you're sold. So what does it mean you're taken as captives and then you want to sell yourself? How is that possible? It's also not understood. Why does the Pasuk stress that you're going to sell yourself? Not that others will sell you. Especially at the end when we say the conclusion is that no one will buy you. Because instead there will be a decree of extermination. So certainly, if the end, you're not going to, no one's going to buy you because there's going to be exterminations. So then what difference does it make who's selling? Whether you're going to want to sell yourself or others are going to sell you. Or the beer is again. What's the explanation here? Since every detail here is adding something to this rebuke that is its own kind of curse. Canal, like we said before, Lentri Rashi as the Rashi says he's not really talking about being sold by the people who are taking the Jews into captivity. I'm sorry, uh, because that's not such a great warning and that's nothing new. If you're taken into captivity, it would make sense of your soul. But what is trying to emphasize that you're, the situation when you're in captivity will be so terrible bees on until the point where all of you it'll be so bad, your conditions that you, you will desperately look to try to sell yourselves as slaves and maidservants because you want to get out of the predicament you're in. By, by pleading and begging with the people who took you into captivity to please buy you as a slave or a servant. Right? Like when you don't get the idea that it's much easier to be a servant to someone and work in their home, work in their field than to be in captivity sitting in there. In, in terrible positions. And two, base, Nachmer, to And how terrible is your position going to be that you're going to beg your enemies to buy you as servants and slaves? And that's how we can now understand also what Rashi is explaining when he says no one will buy you because they're going to decree extermination. 
Al pi al now based on the above, what given an art <coughs> to learning, we could have said, as the ain kinda, no one will buy you. Is neither oyster for the freedom So you could say, no one will buy you. Maybe that's just a continuation of you'll beg, you'll beg your enemies to to buy you as a servant or a maid servant, and they won't want to, right? As if builds the farkaif, and you want to sell yourself, leave the because the terrible condition, soy vechet to your enemies. They will need kaif, but they don't want to buy you. You could say, okay, so you're in a terrible situation. You'll beg them to buy you as a slave and they won't want to. So you'll stay in that terrible situation. That's what you could think. And that's why Rashi is telling us, as Rashi says, it's not a continuation. It's an extra level of curse here. As in them is for It's not just this not good, um, outcome of you'll be sold, nor there's an additional here, which is not connected to this idea of you will try to sell yourself. And what is that? As the ain't kinda, they won't want to buy you. Why? It's lead them, this is the absolute worst thing that could happen. That they're not going to want to, they won't want to buy you because they've already determined that they're going, that you're going to be exterminated. And the river is just their seeing from the Ganta de And thereby, that is why this is like the final, the worst possible thing that can happen. And that is why it is the end of the entire Kachacha. So now we've seen the horrible side of it. The first glance reading of the Pasuk and the Rashi. But Sifres, the Grafir, like we said before at the very beginning of the Sifa, is Rashi, Marame, the Yenishal Torah, be the different Kachachas and the Pinisam in Yanim Nalim Yosef. Rashi, in this Rashi, everything that he's just told us is actually telling us tremendously, tremendous brachas that will happen. The Kavalavan the Kachacha is Dach. Because really, what is the intention of telling us, of rebuking us, and telling us all of these warnings and all of these terrible things that will happen to us? The point of telling us this is in order for the Jewish people to do teshuva, right? To want to come close to God. Like it says, as we said, we have the pasuk that we, we read quite often in Parsha Mitzavim, which is always read right before Rosh Hashanah, that what will happen when all of these things come upon us, right? All the bracha and the kavu, all the blessings and the curses. And what's the point? It will take us to heart. We, we will return to Hashem. And of course, all the blessings will then come. We could say, as the river is the scene of a chayse from them to chacha. So we would say, if the purpose of all of these warnings and all of these things that could happen is really for the Jewish people to come close to Hashem, then we must say that in the final pasuk and the conclusion of this this idea that if this is all really for a tremendous ali and tremendous bracha, it must be hinted in this last pasuk. The kavana punder the the actual intention of this entire tachacha. And there must be a hint here to this tremendously high level that we will be able to reach through our tshuva. So what do we know about tshuva? And what do we know about what tshuva can accomplish? The man of tshuva is, 
the Dayana Chuva, Shizdayana Nas Lakhizakis. What is the greatest thing about Chuva is that when a person has done something wrong, they do proper Chuva, all the transgressions that they did in the past turn into merits. So he gets a very unique and special category of merits. That even a, a person who is a righteous person her entire life does not have that level of tshuva that comes where the transgressions have turned into merits. The inner aspect, what does this mean? You know, that a person who has sinned and does tshuva, what does that mean? That means that the sparks of holiness that actually fell to the lowest level of klipa, which is called the gimel klipa satmeos, literally meaning the three shells, the three impure shells. In other words, when the godly sparks fall that low, we cannot elevate it under normal circumstances. So a pig exists, it's got a spark of godliness in it, otherwise it could not exist. But that spark that's within it is hidden in it, and we are told you cannot elevate it. The only way you could release that spark is to stay away from the ham. But a person who has sinned and, for example, eaten non-kosher, and they've eaten that food, that means they have taken that when they do proper tshuva, they can take that and they transform that into a merit. Now that's something a righteous person in his avayda can so someone who is a righteous person all his life, he can only elevate the sparks that are in things that you are allowed to do. And of course, the sparks of holiness that are in elements of the world that we are allowed to uh, partake of and eat are called klipas noiga. It's like transparent shells because the godly spark that's in there can be easily elevated. We make a bracha on an apple, we elevate the spark. You can't make a bracha on a piece of ham and elevate it. It doesn't work that way. So the sparks, the low, the sparks of holiness that fall down lowest can never be released by a Jew in their normal way of avodah. So since these sparks of holiness fell to the three impure creepers, they fell really, really low, the lowest level possible. With the fargufa mubon, as they are charged in duchi is gar But we know that the higher something goes, the lower it falls. So that means if these sparks of holiness that are hidden within these things that we are not allowed to take, do anything with, that means that the source of those sparks are come from a very high place. And these will be higher than the source of the nitzitzes that fell from the Transparent klipa, from the klipa that's light, that we can easily release. With that klal as is well known, the principle kol The higher something is, the lower it would fall. So you know, if you have a large brick wall, right, and the wall collapses, the brick that's at the top will fall the furthest. That's a very simple example of this idea: that higher something is going to be, the lower it's going to fall, the further it's going to fall. So therefore, when one has an opportunity to elevate those sparks that no, cannot normally be elevated, can only be elevated by someone who has 
sinned in the past and then done tshuva and tremendously regretted his previous life, he, that's when we say the Baal Tshuva reaches a level that even the Tzadik can't reach because they have an opportunity to take anything they have done in the past and transform it to this great level. Now this becomes the inner meaning of this Pasuk. Hashem will bring us back to Mitzrayim. This is saying that as the, the Kavana, the intention of all these words of Tochacha that are found in Parshat Sabbath is Angedai in Zer Siyim B'chayseh. It's all emphasized right here at the very end. Veheshivcha has not only the word Shivya, like we said, the shot captivity, but Melashan Tshuva. Tshuva, return. To bring in some Tshuva, to bring us to this high level of Tshuva. And the greatness of tshuva is emphasized in the continuation in this pasuk. You will want to sell yourself there to your enemies. Right? What are we saying? There. Right? You're going to try to sell yourself there, there, there. In other words, the other side. That is the place of impurity of klipas. Oivecha, your enemy, is memavar genitzah kedusha. So in that place of the klipa of your enemy, which is the gimel klipa satzeas, the enemy for the Jewish person, things that we stay away from, it's over there, right? That we will go. Meaning, based dorch them that the ein kaina, but there will be no buyers. Meaning, bidiitzei perushim in ein mazal yisrael. What does it mean the ein kaina? So ein, the word ein can mean none, like ein mazal yisrael. When we say there is no influence, like the constellations and the astrology. We know that there is such thing as astrology and there are mazalas, like the Jewish calendar, we have mazalas for every month. But the Jewish people are a mazalas, so we are not controlled or our future is not determined by our constellation, by our mazal. But we can also read ain, not only ain, but ayin is kind of. Ayin is Hashem. Ayin, one who is cannot be expressed in any words. Ayin is Ayin, that there's this revelation that comes down from this level that we call Ayin. But it's It's higher than the buyer. So Ayin comes from this very high level of godliness. When we say a kindness, someone who acquires something, right? When Hashem started creating the world, you have to start with the world of Atzilus. Like we know, the Baruch Kainecha, blessed is your person who acquires you. So, Ein, right? Ein Kaina is like Ein Kaina, that we're who acquires us, we are attached to this higher level of Ein, where we said the R and which cannot be just um, um, expressed in anything. So, when we say Hashem created the world, it was a Yesh May Ein. The Yesh, the beginning of creation, started with the world of Atzilus. That was the first world, spiritual world, that began Seder Hishtashlis to create this world. But Ayin, that was a Yesh, it was something from Ayin, from something that we cannot express at all. So what we're saying that we're going to go back, the Shifcha, the Tshuva, will be Sham, Laivecha, there at that place of Gimel Klippesat The Ein Kaina. And Ayin, Hashem, 
will acquire us. We will have a tremendously close connection for Kodesh That all happens through our Avaita of Tshuva. And here Rashi is hinting again in this inner aspect of Torah that's hinted here, an even deeper idea. We know that as Jewish people, we are actually one with Hashem, completely one with Him. So because of that, we can't say that the entire intention of all these warnings and all these not good things that might happen to a person is for the elevation of the sparks of godliness that got lost in these things during our lifetime. It's not just about the world and what we elevate in the world. It has to have something to do with us, ourselves as people. As we know, so you know the idea when you don't when you do tshuva, just like when you do a mitzvah of any sort, when you do a mitzvah, you're elevating the thing that you're using and you're also elevating yourself, you're drawing godliness down to yourself. It's the same thing with tshuva. When you do tshuva, the idea is that you're now able to elevate things that were even lower than regular things we do mitzvahs with. But it's not just that you're elevating those, those things, the sparks of godliness that are hidden so low, but also that you're causing an elevation in the person. And the, the hint of this advantage, this greatness of what happens to the person is what Rashi is hinting to when he says that you will sell yourselves and no one will buy it. What is that? You will want to be sold. What does that mean? What is, what is the advantage of doing tshuva? What's the happens at the end? So the idea of doing tshuva is the fact that we then become a servant of Hashem. What is the idea of being a slave? It means that we that we want to be sold to Hashem. In other words, she's avoidas because atzman. Shuvo is just avoidas that we do with our own kayak. We approach, we want this, we want to come to Hashem, which is the whole idea, of course, in the month of Elo. We say that Tanila died in the but we we the king might be in the field, but we have to approach him. We have to do our part. Thus is Niki the avoidas from Khinas Banim. That's not like a child, like sons, and that the abide of sons, of children, is usually referred to, or an analogy for the abide of tzaddikim. But their abide is a teva benafsham, because a tzaddik, their connection to Hashem is natural for them. It's like in their soul. But thus was by they herzich elokus, when they tzien to elokus ba'avaydasam, the fact that they feel that they're drawn to godliness in all their avayda. It's not because of the work that they're doing. It's like it's their nature. It's like it's coming from, from above. It's like a gift Hashem gave them that they feel this godliness in all the time. When we talk about the avayda that we do at Bali Tshuva, 
where we that we initiate this connection to Hashem. When we mean Baal means someone who, in a revealed state, was far from godliness. So this Avaida of coming to Hashem and coming close to Hashem is not an Avaida, it's not a service that comes because something happened from above, that there was some sort of revelation from Hashem. The fathers are filled that he somehow he feels some tremendous joy and and pleasure, and he's drawn to this Avaita. After that, generally, avoid, um, tshuva, we're talking about a fact that a person usually has to break his nature. There are hot he just he transformed himself with his kayak. And therefore, he naturally, he had a desire and enjoys what he was doing, and he breaks that. He transforms himself and instead pushes himself and is drawn toward godliness. You request, you want to be sold. And that is really the main point of our service to Hashem. It's just like a servant who does his work, not because he, the, he feels the master within him, it's just when you're a slave, you're working, it's against your nature to do the work. It's not like he feels the power of the master within him, it's just that he is um, devoted to his master, and therefore he gives over his entire kayak, and he does whatever his master tells him to do. So this is the concept that we will want, we will want to be sold as slaves, we will want to be Hashem's servants and only his servants. Yod, Alderach says, Rashi Megale, and then perish, Tun, the Ein Kaino. And here too we see in these words of Rashi at the end when he says, No one will buy you because Herod Bichilion will be decreed. And in the Nali Yaisabas is in Dorchabadis Here we see an even higher level that we can reach through Tshuva. The perish, Bimifun Herod Bichilion. What is the inner meaning of death and uh, extermination? That means the inner meaning of herek, of death, is the idea that while we are alive in this Gashmistika world, it's like we are dead to it. Now, in relation to our desires, our material desires, and our lust, and our past, a tnulfun is dealt. We are like we're dead, we're removed from that. It's like we're outer worldly in that. When we do chilion and we have this chilion, what's chilion? Chilion comes from the word kol sanafshi. My heart longs. The idea of kleisanefesh is this tremendous yearning for God that our souls have to the point that our souls could leave our bodies. You know the very famous story of Nadav and Abihu, the two sons of Aaron, says they brought, the Chassidus explains, a foreign fire on the Mizbeach. And of course, they explained that this foreign fire was a tremendous kilion, this tremendous desire and yearning for godliness, but it was foreign because Hashem wants us to live in this world, not to depart from the world. But allegorically, this idea of Herod to be removed from the world, in other words, to be removed from the material desires of this world and to reach kilion, to reach this 
state of being able to yearn for godliness. Thus haste. This is the greatest blessing. Now, while we still find ourselves in this physical world, a soul in a body, that while we are a soul in a body, we can reach the level that normally a soul only reaches when it leaves the body. And this is something, as explained, I'll perish to perish this. As Hasidus explains in the Maimar Mishnah, in the Mishnah it says, when it talks about what happens in each stage of life, you know, uh, it says, right? It says that each day when you're five year old, you start learning Chomish, at 10 you start learning Mishnah, at 15 you start learning Talmud, and then you get married, etc. And then it says, Ben Meya goes through each age, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. It comes from the 100, it says, That's what the Mishnah says. You get to 100 years old, it's like you're dead and you're past, and it's like you're gone from this world. But so that, that sounds like on the first, like like you're saying you're evil, but like you know you're 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 you're, you're over it. But according to Hasidus, as a shasayid held by the Dagregor for Meishana, we say that when you're a hundred, what does a hundred mean? You reach the level of a hundred. Erhat ala meir dargashanis. A hundred means you have all hundred levels within you. That means. That means you have refined and elevated all 10 powers of your soul. And we know that each soul level has 10 krefas within it. We have chabad chagas nim, right? 10 spirits. And within each 10, there's 10. So therefore, there's 10 times 10, it's 100. So when you reach a level of 100, you've elevated every all these 100 aspects of your soul. Is there of all bottom in Olam? What does that mean? He's like, Pat, he's over this world. He's in Gantan Hefer from Velvet Is there Kilomates? He is higher than this world. He's refined himself so much. So he's like he's dead. Meaning what? That he can bask and enjoy godliness like the Neshama can do when it leaves the body. Which means that even while he's still here, he can see godliness, just like the soul sees godliness when it leaves the body after 120. Because even though we know the Pasuk says that no one can see God and, and live, because I'll say, what does that Pasuk mean that you don't see God and live? That means in our, in our lifetime, people generally don't see God. In their death, they see it. But because this person who reaches 100, it's like he's dead. And that means this is a blessing that he can see even while he's alive. His soul is still in his body. That, that normally is seen only in death. So again, we're seeing a tremendous blessing happening here. And now, continuing, see if you're out of the emesis dark, the truth is, I think that the gufa is sleep even from sugar. That this whole parsha of rebuke is not just to get us to that tremendous advantage and elevated level of chuva. Nor the is sleep and tachlis from chuva. But also the reason that brought out this rebuke and these warnings is also in order to do chuva. In other words, does H. So even though we say, okay, what is this rebuke all about? It's all about saying that if the Jewish people sin and they don't do what Hashem wants of them, then all of these things could happen to them. 
So now, now we've just said that really the intention of all that is to teach us that the tshuva that's going to happen within these words, we see the greatness of what will happen with the tshuva. The whole point of all of this is to bring the Jewish people to these very, very high levels of tshuva. But now we're saying that in general, what do we know is that um, the even idea of sins that we do, again, on the surface, when a person does a sin, that means they, everyone has free choice. You have free choice to do and you make choices. And sometimes we make choices that are not the right choices. We call those sins. Our opinions, however, on a, on a deeper level, is even the fact that we do do a sin, even though it's our free choice to do it, there's still something from God in that. So the fact that Hashem allowed us to be in that position, that we were so tempted to do something that was wrong, Hashem brought us to that and gave us that temptation in order to allow us to elevate ourselves later in this element of tshuva. So this is really saying that we make mistakes instead of beating ourselves up about mistakes that we have perhaps have done in the past we have to look at it as a tremendous opportunity that god gave us he put us in that position so that we can reach this tremendously elevated level and this is also hinted to at the beginning of this pasuk Hashem will return us, return you, in that path that I told you, you will no longer, you will no, um, again see it. Even this path, when a Jew does the wrong thing, goes along a path that is forbidden. In that path that Hashem had said to us, do not go along this path again. On a much deeper level, it's also connected to Hashem's behavior, something that Hashem is doing, to lead, Hashem leading us. Hashem leads us there. With an intention to lift us up through, afterwards, through the fact that we have the opportunity then to do the Shabbat. And that is again why Rashi says that the word ba'anyos means in captivity. As the Yerida Pakuna in Mitzrayim, when a Jew descends into Mitzrayim, the Mitzrayim Ugvul in the Hell and the Hester, what does Mitzrayim stand for? It stands for the limitations and the boundaries and the hiddenness. Is Nidbert Sinai from them eaten? That, of course, is not with our will. We don't willingly want to go to those dark places. We are in captivity. The spirit in them Hashem is leading us in these dark places against our will. With the intention of allowing us to lead us to that tremendous advantage that we get when we do tshuva. Now we can also understand, we mentioned before, why does Rashi seem to just translate the words, but on us in the Torah and just say, Basfinas, the ships. Azaz is mitnar, a parish of Vart Anyos. It's not just that Rashi is trying to translate the words. 
Now, the meat is Rashi Rashi Rashi's hinting, as long as you take a type of Pasuk, that based on this inner reading of the Pasuk, Rashi is telling us through this the wine of Tari Rashi, these inner understandings, as done again in the Anyas, he has got Gitaich Sinas. And here, what we need is Anyas as it is interpreted as Sinas. What does that mean? The beer is, Anyas is in Yanan to Magin Zain, Magin Zain, I've mentioned basically Dafin Dorfkin, the Basin from Ayam Azatai. What is the idea of a ship? The whole idea of a ship is to protect a person when they're going through water. Whether you go through a sea, you're going through a river, a lake, whatever it is, you can go through water, you need to be protected, you go on a ship. Baldarse is in Ruchis The same thing happens in um, spiritual things. When the soul comes down to earth, in the Maim Hazidani from Adam Hazah, these raging waters of this physical world, they need something that's going to protect them so they don't drown. So we know that what is it, what it protects the soul here in this world so it doesn't drown, God forbid, in this world, is that we have ships. What are Sphinus? It's the Avaida of Tara Mitzvah. Those are called Sphinus. Now there are two levels of ships, right? Of protection in the raging waters of this physical world. Aleph is Anyas. The in Lashon So we have the Anyas, which is the name of the thing that's protecting us in Lashon Kaidish. That's the word in the Pasuk. Thus, hey, the Avaida from Tara Mitzvah. Be the Svarkaton in the belt from Kedusha. So that hints idea of Ba'anyais, that we are in these Anyais, the word in Lush and Kaidish for the ships, hints the Avaida of Tara Mitzvahs that we do in this world, in a world of Kedusha. Sphinais, they're known in Lush and Targum. Now the word Sphinais, the ship, is not Lush and Kaidish. That is the word as it's used in our in Unkelos, in Targum, in the translation of the Torah. Thus, haste, we have cooked it up in the belt from Targum. That's hinted to the fact of how this comes down into the world of translation, of interpretation, from the Ayn Umas of the 70 nations. So we have the Avaida of Kedusha, and then we have the Avaida where we work in the world to elevate things, to elevate the world and make it holy. But thus is the Avaida from Tshuva, as these dinosaurs are in Zachias. And that is that Avaida that ultimate level of tshuva, where anything that we have done wrong in the past is turned into merits. Zot Rashi. So Rashi is telling us, And since we are talking about rectifying a situation where our descent is because of the sins, you've gone down a path that I told you not to go any longer. The river Therefore, we have to do an avaida that's not about only anyas. It's not just about tara mitzvahs. If we've gone down the route where we've done something wrong, we cannot just do tara mitzvahs. We have to deal with the sphinis. We have to deal with the world and the things that we need to now elevate in this world. And finally, what comes from all of this? The gimel, the hirasan. Whoever ends with a tremendous bracha. May it be Hashem's will.
as Dorfter Limud Yenishal Tarot Pimisatar from the Divrei that by learning this deeper, the wine of Tara, the Pimisatar, the inner aspects of Tara that are in these words of Tachacha. So Bakar Bamish the Skalavan their Pimisika Typhon the Divrei So we should very quickly, very very soon see in a revealed way the inner good that are found in these curses, in these different hanigla, as you have often said to us, in a revealed good way. Not, we don't want, we know everything is good. And we know all the, that it's all good, but it's a hidden good. We ask Hashem, we want taiv hanira v'hanigla. We want revealed good. As Every single person to be able to see with our fleshy eyes, right? Not just on a spiritual level, not just after 120, not just from on a shamba level. With our physical eyes, we should be able to see revealed good with children, with parnasa, with good health. Did then backward order with children, with health, with parnasa, and all of it in abundance. And all of these curses, all these warnings should come to end up being upon our enemies, upon those who hate us and those who chase after us. But every Jew, every single Jew amongst the entire Jewish people, you should all be written and sealed for, you um, know, uh, be written and sealed for a good year, a sweet year, again, in completely a, a visual and a, a visible and revealed good. Until we get to the vain general greatest bracha of all that we're waiting eagerly to see now. The coming of Mashiach Zetenu. May that be speedily, immediately, right now. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Can I ask Amen. why? Thank I you. Can I ask why I couldn't get into?